this is Gilbert Gottfried, and this is Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast with my co-host, Frank Santo Padre. We're once again recording at Nutmeg with our engineer, Frank Verderosa. Our guest this week is a popular and very likable comedic actor who's appeared in dozens of films and television shows. On TV, you've seen him or heard his distinctive voice on shows such as Monk, Life with Louie, Duckman, Dexter's Laboratory, Punky Brewster, Magnum P.I., and The Weird Al Show. He's also known for a number of memorable performances on the big screen in films like Grease, Grease 2, Zapped, War Games, Spy Hard, I Wanna Hold Your Hand, The SpongeBob Movie, The Polar Express, and the film we all enjoy discussing on this show, Steven Spielberg's all-star comedy, 1941. In a career that started back in the late 1970s, he's worked with Tom Hanks, John Travolta, Tim Conway, Sid Caesar, Andy Griffith, Christopher Lee, Robert Zemeckis, and even Mike Mazurki, as <laughs> well as former podcast guests Chuck McCann, Dick Miller, Will Jordan, Rick Overton, and Matthew Broderick. In addition to being a busy actor and voice actor, he's also a pop music and comedy historian and an authority on the Beatles as well as classic film comedians including the Marx Brothers, the Three Stooges, Martin and Lewis, Laurel and Hardy, and Buster Keaton, to name a few. Please welcome to the show a frequently requested guest, a funny and engaging performer, and a man who once appeared on The Gong Show, other to be only, only to be gonged by another guest of the podcast, our pal, Eddie Deason. It is my pleasure. Beautiful. When I die, you're going to do my eulogy. It is so beautiful, Gilbert. So beautiful. You sure? You, you know Eddie? what I was expecting? Gilbert said, and Eddie is a frequent. I thought he was going to say Eddie is a freak. I thought he was going to say, don't get personal. That's, it's, I thought you were going to cut off right there. No, Gilbert, frequently that was so beautifully Frequently requested. So nice of you. Such a beautiful tribute. It's by Gilbert true. Gottfried, yet, are you, babe? So nice. <laughs> now, this is funny. I don't think we've ever met. No. But I used to host USA Up All Night. I used to watch it, yeah. And uh, pretty much every film there, it would they'd all be like teen sex comedies. Right. And pretty much every film you would pop up in. Yeah, I used to work all the time back in the day, yeah, yeah. 
Good old days, yeah. And how, so you started out wanting to be a stand-up comic. I did. Well, you know, Gilbert, it, it wasn't that I wanted to. It was more like an enforced reality. It was more like I had, there's nowhere to go. You get out to Hollywood. This is how corny and green I was. You want to hear the corniest, greenest person? I go there. I, I call the studios. Do you need a good comedian? I called Paramount Studios, a lady. Do you need a good comedian? Uh, no, son, or send your picture. I was that corny and stupid. And I'd call the studios and ask, and, you know, one lady, I remember she said, I'll pray for you, son. She said, I remember. <laughs> I actually called Susan Act. So I got nowhere, you know. So we had the comedy store, which you know, Gilbert, and you, the comedy store, anybody could go in. Any schlemiel could go in. So I could just, I went in and I performed at the comedy store. That was how I got started. But I didn't like, like you, it's a fish to water. You love it. I could tell by your film and, you know, just by knowing you, that's your thing. But I, I didn't like it. I have a hard time remembering routines. And I have my routines. I write them on an index card. I couldn't remember lines. So I'd read it off. Hi, da-da-da. They'd they clap. they go, this is Eddie D's. And they'd clap. I go, sure, but will you respect me in the morning? That was my opening line, and I'd read the whole routine down in lines. Yeah. Oh, you couldn't memorize anything. You had to have I couldn't cards. memorize it. I don't know how they can memorize their stand-up routines. I don't know how you guys can do that. And you had that trouble when you got into movies. Yeah, I always had the trouble. I did it early, Gilbert. I Early on, I could do it better. Like If, if you see like a film like I Want to Hold Your Hand, I talk a lot, or Mob Boss, I talk a lot. But by the time we got to War Games, which we can get into later, I, it started with the cue cards. I started to need the cue cards. I was costing the studios money then. How, how long did you try your hand at stand-up, Ed, before you decided? I did three routines. I did two comedy, two comedy stores in L.A. In the, on Sunset Boulevard, that one. And then I did one in Westwood. I tanked, and I go, this isn't for me. I don't like it. And then I did my stand-up routine on the gong show where Paul Williams gonged me. That was the last time I did it. <laughs> well, yeah, <do> we, <laughs> yeah. I was just going to ask you yeah. that. Now we know who the uh, former podcast guest was that gonged yeah, you. Yeah, Paul Williams. Wonderful guy. So, so it really wasn't haunting you. All those years with hatred for Paul Williams. No, not at all. What, what was Barris like? <laughs> oh, wonderful guy. Chuck Barris was the nicest guy. And I did my routine. I got gone with two jokes left. Paul Williams gone me. As I was walking off, J.P. Morgan gave me my first validation. She goes, Eddie, we love you. She yelled out and I walked off. So anyway, we were on the end of the show. If you remember the end of the gong show, we all waved to the audience sure. at the end. They play the song. And Chuck Barris comes over to me. He goes, Eddie, you got a good little act there. I think you can go somewhere. He said something really nice to me. And that was how I, it was just a nice thing. Then I saw Chuck Barris about 30 years later in Beverly Hills. I'm crossing the street to go to my agents. I look over. There's Chuck Barris there. Mr. Barris, I was on the gong show. I'm, he didn't know who I was. He had not a clue. He looked at me and he gave the Chuck Barris smile, you know, and he nodded his head with his squinty eyes, you know. Nice guy. But I, you know how you know when a person doesn't know who you are. Yeah, yeah. And he goes, oh, it's good to see you. And he walked off. And that's the last time I saw him. Complicated man. As it, yeah. as it turns his out. Books, his books are wonderful. Have you read them? They're yeah, great well, books. Sure. Yeah, sure. Well, I read Confessions of a Dangerous Mind. You, yeah, you they're wonderful. Yeah, you, Gilbert? they're insane. The scream. Yeah, <laughs> totally insane. So, so Ed, you start. You realized stand-up wasn't for you. You couldn't memorize right. things. You started, right. you started going to auditions? Right. I started going to auditions, and then finally I lucked out. I got grease. After two years of goofing around, I got grease. Yeah. And you didn't have an agent or anything. I had, a, she was kind of a manager, more of an agent. She Somehow she got me into the Grease audition. I don't know to this day how she did it. But I go in, I, I had my, I slicked my hair with Brill Cream, which doesn't fit Eugene, but I did that. I put on the first Pee Wee Herman suit. Mm -hmm. I put on a white suit with a bow tie and white box, which is what Pee Wee wears now. And I went in the audition. Everybody there's like a Fonzie guy. I was the only geek there. It was a room full of like a hundred Fonzies and all these girls in poodle skirts. Then I go in and read my role. I had like four lines. And I, Gilbert, you'll know this from an audition. You know if you're doing good or bad. 
And I went in and I just said my lines, you know, I go, hi, or whatever, these little insipid lines. And I, I looked up and I saw Joel Thurm and the director, Randall Clyde, they were like nudging each other. They were like going, and I go, I knew I was doing good because they nudged each other. Oh. And I knew, and then later I got it. Yeah. Was a legendary Alan Carr in the room? Uh, Alan, I think, yes, it was Alan was there. Alan, Randall Kleiser, and Joel Thurm were there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the one film which seems like it was uh, produced for you pretty much, Mm -hmm. but you weren't in. And you were the king of the nerds. Yes. In every other movie. Yes. What what movie were you not in? Revenge of the Nerds. Yes. (laughs) Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, that's the Twilight Zone. That's the Twilight Zone, which we all have a little Twilight Zone in our lives. So I finally did. I did a turkey film with those guys. It was called, um, oh, the Whoopi Boys. Oh, they, yeah. The guys that produced that did the Whoopi Boys. And I, I think that was the one. Was it the Whoopi? I think it was the Whoopi Boys. But anyway, I asked the guy. He was a real nice guy. His name was Adam. Adam something. He produced uh, the Revenge of the Nerds. And I said, why wasn't I in Revenge of the Nerds? He said the joke of Revenge of the Nerds is they wanted to get guys and dress them up to look like nerds. They wanted to get regular guys and make them look like nerds. He goes, you're already a nerd. He goes, you can't, we can't do anything with you. So, I, I okay, that's ironic, but I'll accept that. But that's, that's the story. But I get asked that all the time. And I get... Gilbert, I, this probably doesn't happen to you because you're so unique, but I get mistaken for that guy all the time. They go, oh, you're the guy in Revenge of oh, the Nerds. Which, what, was it Robert Carradine? Robert Carradine, all the time. Yeah. I get that. That and Pee Wee Herman, I get. So Pee Wee Herman, I get. They, Pee Wee Herman, yeah. They didn't want you because you were perfect for the part. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Hill, you, you might know, have Gilbert, a shot. <laughs> yeah. Do you know, uh, I have a vague recollection of auditioning for the Whoopi Boys. Is that right? Yeah. You would have been great in it. Yeah. It was it was a fun little film. Not great, but it has its funny moments. What was the Whoopi Boys about? I'm trying to find it in my notes. Whoopi no Boys was idea. it was a buddy comedy. Oh, it was Den, Den O'Melliot was in that. Yes, Den O'Melliot was yeah. a great guy. Yeah, wonderful guy. And uh Mike Wokeefe and Paul Rodriguez Michael were the buddies. Right. And they're kinda like the you know, it's kinda like uh an animal house. They're kinda like John Belushi slobs, you know. Yeah. And they we go to a charm school. The odds like the three stooges. It's a charm school thing, and we go to charm school and we're twat the mayor and we foul up. You know, we dance with chicken legs and all this stuff. I got that a couple kind of of, a couple of more questions about Greece. Sure. Eddie, you told me first of all, I found a thing. Jack Nicholson was was shooting nearby. Yes. Jack Nicholson was on an adjoining soundstage. So Jack Nicholson, I swear to God, he'd look out the window and he'd shake his fist as corny as he, shut the, f- can I cuss on here? Yes. He goes, shut the fuck up. Shut, turn the fucking music down. He'd shake his fist at us. This is Jack Nicholson. So then one day he comes on the set and I, you know, I bounced over to him. I was the first guy I ran up and I got to shake his hand. He gave me a big smile, super nice guy. And I remember him nodding his head and, you know, you're looking at freaking Jack Nicholson's on the set. I wonder yeah. what he was shooting. I, it was, line. it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't Missouri Breaks. I think Missouri Breaks was a little before it was uh, yeah. one of those in that a, era. Yeah, that's fascinating. So, yeah. so he, yeah. he wanted a musical to shut down their music. <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly, yeah. But he's Jack Nicholson, you know, whatever, he gets what he wants, you know. Uh, tell us about driving back home with it with Sid Caesar. Oh, yeah, okay, so every night on the set, I was driven home with Sid Caesar in a limo. Our driver was a guy called Kirk, and he comes over. He gives me one rule you got to follow. Don't talk unless Mr. Caesar talks to you. Okay, so I'm a little schmuck, you know, I don't know. Okay, share it. So I sit in the back seat every night, and Sid Caesar would pontificate in the front seat. He was a very intelligent man, and he he liked history. He'd go, the Goths would go in and raid the villages, and the Visigoths would take them, and the Vandals. And I remember him talking all this history stuff. 
Wow. And he'd do this every night. And I'd listen to Sid Caesar pontificate about history and all his opinions. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he, I remember that he was intelligent. He wasn't necessarily a warm man or a nice man, but he wasn't a mean man, but he was just he was an intelligent guy. And one night was the only time he turns back to me and goes, so you're the water boy, huh? I go, yes, sir. I, I said something insipid. It, it caught me totally off guard. I said, is it all right if I talk now? I said, or some kind of stupid thing. And he just nodded and he went on and then he pontificated. And that was the only time I talked to Sid Caesar. Did you ever meet Sid Caesar, Gilbert, in your no, travels? I, I, no, no. I was at some show where it was honoring him. Right. And he was there with, uh, with uh, what's her name? Imogene Coca. Imogene Coca. Yeah. Okay. And I watched them perform, but I never met. I heard his name's popped up on this podcast a few times. Yeah, he's a legend. Troubled guy. Yeah. They, yeah. they said yeah. he was one of those people who, if he wasn't doing a character, he didn't exist. That's interesting. Yeah. It's kind of, he's one of those, just to give my honest opinion, the most overrated guy. My dad loved him. I think our dad's generation, they let him, they go, this guy's the Charlie Chaplin of TV. So I started watching the films of him and I'm just sitting there, nothing. He did one funny one where he did a satire of, uh, this is your life. The Ralph oh, Edward Uncle show. Goofy. Yeah, that was yeah. funny. Yeah. And I worked with Howie Morris a couple times. He was a great guy. I thought he was funny, but I never thought Sid Caesar was funny. I thought he had the face of a heavy. He had this face that looked like a killer in a in a film noir, you know. I go, it's not, his like face Mark wasn't Lawrence. yeah, it wasn't conducive to comedy. Yeah. So that was kind of off right there. And I, I yeah, and I can see some talent though. He'd do those foreign accents, you know. I can oh, he see was some great talent, at that. But, he was gifted, yeah, but he, he, gifted in yeah, dialects. Just viscerally, he never made me laugh. He's just one of those. Was there a how, Jeff Conaway? Go ahead, Gil. Howard Morris yes. one time called me a loudmouth <laughs> fucking Jew. <laughs> why what happened <laughs> which is an honor <laughs> yeah why did he do it gilbert it was actually oh he was at that autograph show we went to at the beverly garland hotel yeah, yeah i took gilbert oh. to an autograph show in the 90s and he walked in and uh he didn't know that <laughs> he had just passed howard morris who i believe was dressed as ernest t bass yes at the time. in the overall <laughs> just shouted right. out at gilbert there goes that loudmouth fucking jew no what? kidding yeah he what was very guy. nice though <laughs> Okay, in other words, he was being facetious. He was kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was, oh, okay, absolutely. good. He was busting gold. Good, yes. good. Was there good. a Jeff Conaway story, Eddie, well, before we jump Jeffy, off Greece? Sure. Jeffy was a uh, troubled guy. When we did Greece, yeah, he was a very troubled guy. He was the only cast member I didn't like. I was scared to death of him. He tried to get me laid. When we did Greece, he tried to get me fixed up with a hooker. I had never been with a woman. I don't think I'd even touched a woman at that time. But he tried to get me laid, and I remember being in my dressing room. I was scared to death, you know, but it never came to pass. But Jeffy was that kind of a character. And then later on, we became really close friends. We, we did a lot of signing shows together, and he was like a brother to me. We, he he kind of mellowed out. But the Grease years, he was a scary character. I remember him going, oh, Hitler. They were, Pat Birch was giving us the dance instructions, and she was going, and you women dance there, and the men go there. And I remember Jeff, he goes, oh, Hitler. He said real loud, and it was like dead silence. It was one of those awkward moments. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, we go to see Jeff. Jeff was like in Greece. We do the signing shows, and Jeff had had nine back operations. His, he was like all gnarled and messed up and hunched over. But we go to the signing shows, and the teenage girls would come and giggle over him. You know, they were seeing Kanicki. They right, didn't right, see right. Jeff there. They were seeing the guy he played in Greece. Anyway, the last time I saw Jeff, he was in a wheelchair, and I wheeled him around. We went to like – he was living in this old folks home. It was this place Clark Gable used to own. And all there were like these 90-year-olds living there, and Jeff Conaway's living there. And we all sat around all the grease cast were there. We all had corned beef sandwiches. We ordered deli sandwiches and sodas. 
and I wheeled Jeff around in the wheelchair. He gave me a tour of his home. And, you know, I'm, I'm almost want to cry. You know, I love the guy, but I'm looking at this is friggin' this Greek Adonis from Greece. He's this gnarled guy in a wheelchair. And then Jeff died about a year after that. Yeah, he, he did a lot of damage guy. to himself. He did a lot of damage to himself. Yeah. And he was in that. I remember at the end, his most famous thing was being one of the patients of Dr. Drew. Oh, oh, is yeah. that right? Yeah, yeah. One of those, I didn't yeah. know that. Reality and, shows. and it was just yeah. a freak show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was bad sad. for him. Eddie, yeah. we have to ask you about yeah. Laser Blast. Okay, did you that's do, the one film Laser dying. Blast come out before Grease? Laser Blast, yes. It was, I filmed, Grease was the first film I was ever in. And then, but Laser Blast came out first. Laser Blast was March 1st of 78. And then Grease came out June 16th, 78. The legendary Charles Band. Yes, Charles Band. I wonder yeah, if he's yeah. still around. He'd be good for us. Oh, he'd be great. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Charlie Band. I haven't seen him since then. And Fred Olin Ray, another guy you've worked with. A oh, I love times, Fred. Would Fred, be, Fred would and I were pals on yes. Facebook. Yeah, Fred Olin Ray would love you, Gilbert. He'd love it. We yeah. got to get him on. I was looking oh. at his IMDb page. Yeah, he's made like yeah. 200 movies. <laughs> he's got <laughs> a million <laughs> stories. Crazy yeah. amount of. Yeah. He's got some Hunts Hall stories and some great. Wow. He worked with some great people. Oh, we'll get they him didn't on. Want, they didn't want to hire Hunts Hall for his film. They, it was like fifteen hundred dollars. They go, we can't afford. It. And he goes, are you freaking crazy? It's Hunts Hall. He goes, I'll pay out of my pocket. And he paid the fifteen hundred to get Hunts Hall in one of his movies. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> did you, on, on Laser Blast, did you interact yes. with a guest that we had on this show, Johnny Russo from The Godfather? Johnny, I, I don't remember him. I, I had okay. a crush on a girl, Betty Goldberg, and the script girl. And then um, Laser Blast. Oh, yeah, it was just a cheap film. We did Grease, which was in Paramount, a real cool film. And then I learned what a low-budget film was with Laser Blast. We're all all in one big warehouse, and you're sitting on Apple boxes. You know, that was our dressing room. You could tell it's low-budget because they misspelled Roddy McDowell's name in the credits. (laughs) (laughs) That's a, a bad sign. Laser Blast is a turkey. It's not worth anything. But watch the Mystery Science Theater satire. Oh, yes. I'm Mystery familiar Science. with that, it's too. It's one of the funniest things they've ever done. Yeah. Well, then tell us about Midnight Madness, which I think okay. is Michael J. Fox's first part. Yes. Michael J. Fox was the nicest guy. We'd sit and have lunch together, okay? We talk, we both love the Twilight Zone. We're Twilight Zone nuts, and we talk about it. He was oh. just kidding. He's, he's rather straight in the movie. So Mike and I, after lunch, we get a Super Bowl out, and we play, we play handball against the brick walls at Disney Studios together. Nicest kid ever. So then about... Eight years later, cut the, I'll go back to Midnight Mass, but cut that like eight years later. I'm hanging out at Universal Studios. I had an audition or something. This red Ferrari or whatever, red sports car zooms up. I look down. This is little Michael J. Fox. Same guy, but he's, this is after Back to the Future. He's the mm-hmm. biggest star in showbiz. It's like one of these corny B movies with Humphrey Bogart. You know, you go back home. He couldn't have been nicer. Goes, Eddie, how are you? It's like, you know, you meet these big stars and it's like, there's totally the nicest people. It happens almost every time, but he hadn't changed at all. We reminisced a little. He drove off in his sports car and that's the last time I ever saw him. One of Gilbert's favorites is in that movie, David Naughton. Oh, David Naughton, oh yes. In London. yes. Yeah. Have you guys have hit him on this show? No, we got to have David. He's a wonderful guy. Yeah, super nice guy. We'll get him. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're in a movie that promised itself to be a great jerk-off film, but wasn't. <laughs> Which one is that? <laughs> and, but I like the music in it. Zapped. Oh, Zap. Yeah, with Scott Bayo, the infamous Scott Bayo. Yeah. 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 Super He's nice infamous guy, this yeah. week. Now, He's infamous. Oh, oh, yeah. Did yeah. That As we record you? this. Yeah. Boy. I thought, what's his name? Charlie Charlie Rose surprised me. Yeah, but Scott Bayo surprised me. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, you like the you, you like the was it David Pomerantz music? Uh, yes, in Zapped. 
Yeah, and I think Charlie Fox. Was it Charlie Fox? I think so. Oh, we got to get him in here. Yeah, and <laughs> um, yes, uh, something's happening to me. Where is that quiet kid I used to be <laughs> not long ago? <laughs> one I used to know. Suddenly my life has changed. Suddenly my whole world's rearranged. Turned inside out. Makes me want to shout. Here I am. Take a look at me. I'm high as a kite and I'm twice as free. Like a dream that was meant to be. Ready or not, I'll take my shot. Cause I'm ready to get what you got if you're ready or not. Incredible. It was very beautiful. Wasn't that beautiful, Eddie? Were you bar mitzvah, Gilbert? Uh, no. Were you bar mitzvah? You did, I was going to say, did you, you sing your mofter, right? How come you were bar mitzvah? No, I, I was a bad Jew. I was not bar mitzvah. The world could have they been treated to that voice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. much, so much Gilbert earlier. Gottfried singing his mofter. It would have been a classic, yeah. Yeah, it's it's like my whole thing, I've, I've said it before, about being a Jew. I don't know the holidays. I I eat pork. But I know that if the Nazis came back, I'd be on the train with everyone else. <laughs> so, so you never fasted on Yom Kippur or anything like that? No, no. Did you get presents for Hanukkah? Uh, no, no. I've never That's, done you were, any of those things. Oh, but, my God. You were. Yeah. You're such you a guys were beyond, a- you were beyond. You were beyond reformed. You were yes. beyond reformed. Yeah, yeah relax. There's conservative. Well, yeah, relaxed. Right? Yeah. <laughs> right. Frankie and his valley. What were that group? Yeah. Frankie goes to Hollywood. Yeah. Frankie goes yeah. to Hollywood. Right. Good relax. Yeah. Did, yeah. You, did you work with Mar- our friend Marvin Kaplan in Midnight Madness? Did you yes, know Marvin? Marvin Kaplan was a great guy. I saw him at um, sweetest about five years ago at a health food store. A health food place. Great. And I, we talked and reminisced a little. He was a wonderful guy. The best. Yeah. 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 We, we yeah. had him on our show. And just, just like, oh, he, he, he passed away like just two weeks later or something. Is that right? So yeah, that was his last at, performance. At Nine, yeah, he didn't yeah. make it to ninety. Such, such okay. a sweet guy. Yes, he was super nice guy. Yeah. Now, Eddie, at that time, and Gilbert and I were talking. You were a busy actor. You were getting, a, yeah. you were getting so many parts that you were Back turning the parts day, yeah. down. Yes, I turned down. Um, what was that good one? Oh yeah, Meatballs. One of my regrets. Yeah, I could. They went. They wrote the role Spaz for me, but Jack Bloom got it. But it was written for me, but I couldn't do it because I was doing 1941 at the time. That was. It, that's the irony of it. I give anything for this work nowadays, but you couldn't work days, with Bill Murray because you were working with Belushi. Exactly. There's yeah. an irony yeah. there because you yeah. were doing a Steven Spielberg. Yeah, excuse right. us. Yeah. 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 That's the, but you would have been perfect in that part, too, by the way. Yeah, I would have loved to have done that. And I would have loved to work with Bill Murray. I love Bill Murray. We'll jump around here a little bit, but this is sure. one I found. A uh, movie, they changed the title to Desperate Moves, but it was called Stiegler and Stiegler. Is that the skating movie? I don't know, but you were. this was, I think, the first time you worked with the legendary Christopher Lee. Oh, that was the skating movie. That was called... Um, yeah, it might have been Desperate Moves. Desperate Moves, that was, they renamed If you it. guys remember, in the late 70s, there was a big skating fad. And this was a skating film. That's where I met my wife. I was married one time for uh-huh. two years, and that's where I met my wife. We later got married in Las Vegas. And we saw on our honeymoon, we, get this, we saw Bill Cosby in Las Vegas. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Bill Cosby, 
<laughs> that might have been an omen. <laughs> You're right. So prophetic. You're right. You're right. Another one of those dangerous names to bring up. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'll do a whole yeah. show of them. Yeah. I, I appreciate the fact that in Stiegler and Stiegler, and I didn't know it was an ice skating movie, uh, Christopher Lee's in the cast, you and Wheezy Jefferson. Yes. This is Jefferson Isabel, super nice lady. If you didn't yeah. know that she co-starred with Christopher Lee, you, yeah. would be, you would be wrong. That was probably her only film, right? Isabel Sanford? That Isabel was Sanford. Her only film. Yeah. yeah. Really yeah. nice lady. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now, what was Christopher Lee like? The nicest gentleman, Gilbert. Total gentleman, a total mensch, just the nicest guy. I did three films with him. And he's the nicest guy in the world. Always, hello, you know, it's this distinguished guy, but a regular nice guy. Great guy. This is the first time I've heard Christopher Lee described as a total mensch. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, he he claimed whether it's true or not. Did he claim that he killed Nazis? Yes. Yeah. With his bare hands. World War II. Is that right? Yeah. In some cases. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's interesting. He was well, a he was him. he was well. That was that was what was said about him that he was a Nazi hunter. Yeah, they. Although I've heard mixed stories. Yeah, like yeah, we're some, trying to get to the bottom of it. Some people you mean, say totally good soldier, but he wasn't right. any big hero. <laughs> right. That's interesting. You worked with him again in a movie called Rosebud Beach Hotel. Rosebud Beach Hotel. Uh, Christopher Lee was all three turkeys. And then I did one called Silence of the Hams with him. Right. Three out of three turkeys. Yeah. Right, right, right. Probably the three low points of his career he did with me. Well, go ahead, Gil. Now, Silence of the Hams. With Don Deloitte. Yes. Tell us the (laughs) cast. That was okay. Every Bush Belt comedy. Leslie Nielsen. Unfortunately, I would love to have met him, but I never met him. But I did see Andy Griffith. There was a scene in the movie that was cut out. And Andy Griffith is sitting on the toilet and he walks off and I'm like a little lackey and I run up and I pull a cord and they flush the toilet. And that, it was a funny little bit, but for some reason they cut it out. It was just a brief scene. They cut out. Anyway, I want to meet Andy Griffith, Andy friggin' Griffith. You know, of course I want to meet him. I love the guy. So I long as I said, I'm looking down there. He's, he has a boot on this guy's boot. Get my goddamn boot off. We have, have Frank, take my, whatever the guy's name was, his assistant. Get my boot. He was the meanest guy ever. Just scary from what I saw. I was terrified. I don't want to go near this guy. Will you get my boot off? Get me some coffee. And he's yelling out these orders. And this is Andy Griffith. Sheriff Mayberry. Mayberry. Yeah. yeah, I watched the show today. I watched the show today and I love the guy. But I was scared. I didn't want to approach. Some of these guys, the aura, you know, you don't approach them. And this was one. So I never approached Andy Griffith. I saw him there, but I don't want to get anywhere near him. Which movie is this now? This was, I think this was Silence of the Hams, wasn't it? Oh, was it Spy Hard? Oh, was oh, that Spy Hard? I'm so sorry. Yeah, I'm so hard. sorry, Spy Hard. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, mixing I'm them up. Confused. Silence now, of now, the Hams. Who were yeah. the other people in Silence of the Hams? You know, Gilbert, I don't remember. It was, it was, was that Leslie Nielsen or was that No, that was no, Spy Hard. Leslie Nielsen was in Spy Hard. Silence of the Hams was uh, was Dom DeLuise. Everybody's in okay. Silence yeah. of the Hams. Dom DeLuise, I don't have okay. my, I, don't okay. have my phone. I never saw it. That's one of the ones I've never seen. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what. Uh, two other podcast guests were in Rosebud Beach Hotel, though, with Eddie. Chuck okay. McCann and Hank Garrett. Oh, wow. Love both. both. And also, that's where I met Peter Scolari, my pal, and we did Polar Express together. Yeah. He's a, the nicest. By the way, he'd be great on your show. He's the nicest guy in the world. I, I did uh, a pilot with Peter Scolari once. Is that right? Yeah. We'll, tra- we'll track Peter okay. down. You yeah. Work, you work with the director, Harry Hurwitz, on Rosebud Beach Hotel. Okay. I who, remember Harry. Who was famous for making The Projectionist. With, oh, Chuck, with Chuck McCann, yes. which you would, appreciate, you would appreciate being, because it's sort of a Keaton. It's sort of a Sherlock Jr., Thing. Right, yeah. It was um who is in those guys 
the Funny Boys. Do you remember them? Those two guys, they were called the Funny oh, Boys. Uh, oh, I remember wait, their- wait, 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 wait. Uh, uh, Schmuck and Valley? Yeah, that's it. You're exactly yeah. right. Yeah, yeah. I thought you were saying an epithet. I thought you were saying that fucking valley. I, Jonathan, I Schmock. Jonathan Schmock. Jonathan <laughs> Schmock. Yeah. Jonathan Schmock and Valley. Yeah, Jim yeah. Valley, right. Jim Valley. I don't know what they're doing now, but they were in it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And what about Surf 2, where you played Menlo? Surf 2, there was no Surf 1. It was the first <laughs> movie in history. There was no Surf 1. <laughs> it was Surf 2. I loved it. It was that was the first time I ever got top billing in a film. In fact, it was really fun. I love mm-hmm. Surf too. A lot of girls in bikinis running around. It was great. Ruth Buzzy and Cleavon Little. Ruth Any Buzzy, memories? Yes, Cleavon Little. I loved. Nicest guy ever. And uh, Ruth Buzzy was. I've done signing shows with Ruth Buzzy. She was a very nice lady. Yeah, yeah. she's in Texas. We've been trying to. Get... I heard she married a rich guy. Is that right? She is she with a rich guy? We were trying to get That's her on I the heard. show. Yeah, I heard she married a real rich guy. We will return to Gilbert Gottfried's amazing colossal podcast right after this. That's what you say. <laughs> it's Frank and Gilbert yes, time. Yes, it's Frank and Gilbert time. It's Frank and Gilbert time. It's Frank and Gilbert time. Interestingly, and I saw this in my research, when you were doing Surf 2, you encountered a guy named Gary Graver, who worked with yes. Orson Welles. Yes, Gary. And he was uh, Fred Olin Ray's cameraman. He's probably, oh, he's passed away. Yeah, he passed but away. He, he, yeah, he had a lot of great stories, yeah. About Welles. Yeah. yeah. About, well, yeah, I'm trying to think, oh, you know, it's a story on him, believe it or not. He claimed that, I don't know if it's true, but he told me Welles gave him his Citizen Kane Oscar. I'm not kidding you. As a gift. I go, you're kidding. Yeah. For some reason, for whatever, a token of admiration, or maybe he couldn't pay him, but he gave him that thing and he claimed he had it. Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to fly through credits, Eddie, because this is fun. Sure. What about a movie called Delta Pi with Ruth Gordon? Oh, yeah. I couldn't understand her. Ruth Gordon, I said, but I couldn't understand what she was saying. So we do a scene. She, I, with a scene, we're ready. Okay, action. Then she goes, and we'll take him and we'll walk down the foot. And I just realized, whenever she stops talking, say your line. I couldn't understand a word she said. I go, yes, ma'am. I walked down the street. And then you take them over there and you go. Yeah, that's right. I took this lady down and we walked down the street. You walk, I was, huh? Yeah, I walked down the street. And I, that's all I did. I could not understand what she was saying. What? Nicest lady. Very nice. But I couldn't understand her. She was, she was really old. Yeah. She didn't scare the shit out of you like, like Andy Griffith did. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Andy was scary. So, it's so funny that Christopher Lee is a, a nice, pleasant guy, and right. Andy Griffith is a fucking scumbag. You know what? You're right. <laughs> I didn't think he right. went that far. The irony of life. You're right. It's one of the ironies. You're right. Uh-huh. <laughs> I've never heard anybody say anything anything disparaging about Andy Griffith. But so na- we've we've made news. But now I'll be repeating it constantly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> what about, here's another one. Uh, uh-huh. Well, we talked about the Whoopi Boys with Denim Elliott. Uh, we right. have to bring this up, Eddie, because this is a movie that's come up on the show, and Gilbert and I love it uh, sure. for all the wrong reasons, and that's Million Dollar Mystery. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Million Dollar Mystery. Yeah, yeah. Because we that had Rick was, Overton uh, here. Okay, Rick was, I loved Rick. Yeah, the best. they got all these, Gilbert, you should have been in that one. They had all these comedians in it, and they got us together, and they tried to do Mad Mad World again. Yeah. And it, yeah. uh, for me, it didn't fly, but it, it was all right. It Mac, was, uh, Mac and Jamie it was were in it. Mac and Jamie oh, were in it, yeah. God. Remember them? Yeah. Yes. And the great Kevin Pollack. Kevin Pollack's in it? That was his first film. 
And, yeah. and wasn't that old produced by Glad Bags? It was the Glad yes. Bag movie. Yeah. It was the fir- that was the first movie ever they gave away a million dollars. The object was if you solved where the treasure was, you win a million dollars. And I think the whole movie made 900000 bucks. They didn't even win their million back. Some lady won it and they had to pay a million dollars. They lost money. I think that it was, was the deal. Yeah, I think it was some girl. I think some young girl won it. Was it a young girl? Okay. I think okay. so. Yeah. yeah. And I remember the poster had a big glad bag filled with money. Yeah. 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 So you knew this was a complete commercial. Produced, right. it produced was. of course, by the larger-than-life Dino De Laurentiis. Oh, yes. my God. Yes. That, he was the godfather. It was like meeting the godfather. We're all in a room. Eddie Gwynn, uh, Mr. De Laurentiis wants to meet. So you go in. It's this gigantic, huge room. He's sitting behind a desk. It was like meeting Brando as the god. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, you you want to be in our film, huh? Yeah, yes, sir. I'd like to be. Oh, you want to do it? So and he was just he had that kind of an aura. He wasn't a bad guy, but it was he was like the Godfather, and I felt like I was talking to the Godfather. <laughs> yeah, I'm always I always I'm always I, I think of uh, Belushi doing Dino De Laurentiis on Saturday yeah. Night Live. Oh, yeah. my, nobody <laughs> yeah. cry, nobody cry for Godzilla. Yeah. They cry for my tongue. <laughs> my tongue. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. Oh, oh sure. And, and um, in 1941, you worked with the great Murray Hamilton. Yes, Murray and I were up on the Ferris wheel together, and I loved Murray. We were so great. He couldn't breathe. He was a lifelong smoker. Yeah. So Stephen would put us up there, and like every half hour, he'd have to bring us down, and he, Stephen had an oxygen tank, and Murray would, and he'd take in oxygen. Then we'd go back up on the Ferris wheel. Yeah. Terrific actor, by the way. And you're a Twilight oh, Zone guy. guy. You know he's in that. Yes. That, Ed Wynn. With Ed Wynn, Mr. that wonderful That was the first episode. episode. Yeah, the first one. Yeah, he and plays also, death. Yes, exactly. Also, The Hustler. Which I just got oh, the the collector's great. edition. One of my favorite movies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. An underrated actor. Yes, you know what? You guys are funny together. I mean, I never think of Murray Hamilton in a comedy. I think of him yeah. in Jaws. I think of him in that Twilight Zone yeah. episode. Yeah, he's uh, kind of in Jaws. He's kind of so campy. He's all, it's almost funny. He's such a campy yes. character. But yeah, I see what you're saying. Now here's a crazy showbiz. And, oh, Go ahead. I I remember in The Hustler. Yeah, one of my favorite lines is Paul Newman says to Murray Hamilton, who's like this southern car chalk, uh, Paul Newman says, well, you know, I win sometimes. And Murray Hamilton goes, oh, I bet you do. <laughs> Isn't he in Harper, too? He show I up think in, so. Did he show up in Harper? He, a terrific He's in a bunch of those Maybe 70s. he did. Maybe he did. He yeah. might have stayed friends with Paul Newman, and they put him in. Now, I heard this, and I'm, I'm wondering if this is bullshit. When I do deep research on, on guests like you, I find these strange things. Mm-hmm. Did you ever hear this, that Zemeckis and Gale and Spielberg first approached Jackie Gleason and Art Carney? Yes, absolutely true. And get this too. Not only that, John Wayne. They asked John Wayne. Stephen asked well, John, John Wayne, Wayne to, to play film. Stillwell. Exactly. But he, he thought it was un-American. He goes, don't do this film. It's un-American. This is World War II, you know. So he didn't do it. But yeah, Jackie Gleason and Art Carney, yeah. Jackie Which, Gleason and Art Carney were supposed to play the two guys on the Ferris wheel? Right. That you I don't and, know what happened. But yeah, that's that's the story. It's true. What I heard is that, and I can't, I, I guess this is true, but I heard that Gleason was feuding with Carney at the time. And said, I won't oh. work with him. Is that right? You know, they wound up reuniting again not long after to Is make a movie called Mo? Izzy and Moe. Izzy and Moe, yeah. right. I remember Terrible that. Yeah, yeah but uh, there's, yes. a, there's an interview with Bob Gale somewhere, and he says they approached Gleason and Carney, and, and it was a no-go, and it winds up becoming you and Murray Hamilton. 
That's interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I yeah. guess Art Carney would be the guy with a dummy like me, and Lisa would have been, yeah, this, the guy getting upset. Yeah. Yeah. And you were not the voice of the dummy. No, it was a nice guy called, um, I forget the guy's name. But, oh, Jerry. Jerry. Jerry something was the voice of the dummy. They tried my voice, but Steven didn't like the way it worked. My big story on that, by the way, is I threw up in Steven Spielberg's toilet. This is my <laughs> big, one of my great honors. They had, <laughs> Steven, every day we're on the Ferris wheel and Steven would whip us around. And then this one day he was really, there's a scene where the Ferris wheel goes off the pier. So Steven was whipping us around really fast and I have bad motion sickness. And I started feeling woozy. Steven lets me off the wheel and he, had, he goes, let my secretary take you to my dressing room. So I'm, I'm shaky and woozy and she takes me to his dressing room. I'm laying there on Steven Spielberg's cot. So I'm starting to feel sick. I go into the bathroom. I, I heave up. I go, I just threw up in Steven Spielberg's toilet. It's one of the honors of my career. I love it. How did you yeah. get in that movie in the first place, Ed? Because I, well, it's because you, I you, hold you Nancy hand. Allen, and, and Wendy yes. Joe get. Wendy Joe and Bobby DeChico, yeah. for all from I Want to Hold Your Hand. You're all my hold, Bond, I hold Your Hand. Yeah. yeah, we're all, and they just, they all kept. We were kind of hoping, you know, that you, you have this great little company, but because both films didn't do good at the box office, it kind of ended there. I see. Yeah. Now, it, aside from it being nauseating to mm-hmm. be spun around, the, wasn't it scary? You know, I didn't mind that so much, Gilbert. I, I was—I don't remember being scared, but I, I did get sick. Just the that one day was the only time I ever got sick. But no, I liked the Ferris wheel. I thought it was fun. So the, you didn't have to audition. They carried the four of you over because you you would work with Zemeckis and Gail, and I yeah, want to hold I your think, hand. And they said they, they said there's a beginning of a of a group here with chemistry. We were hoping for that. Yeah, we were anyway. But uh, yeah, and they—I think they pretty much wrote the characters for us. What I about knew Bob Zemeckis? You know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about Lionel Stander, who's in those scenes with you and Murray? Lionel, I met only one day. I didn't know him that way. He seemed like a good guy, but I, I only met him once. We had the one scene, I think, where he do do not touch and I or do not pull right, the lever or something. Pull I pulled the lever. The lever. <laughs> yeah. That was the only time I saw him. Right, right, right. Same he was famously blacklisted, Lionel Stander. Oh, oh I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, he in was the a, Red Scare. I didn't know that. Yeah, he was a victim of the Red Scare. You know, we've talked about oh. that movie on this show. Gil, we did that. We did an episode about 1941. Oh yes. You know, and it's an uneven movie, obviously. But there's, yeah. there's, and I guess it's one of those movies that the expectations for it with that cast and Spielberg, right? You know, was so high. Yeah. Uh, that so that true. people were bound to be disappointed. But there's so much to love about. It was an interesting cast. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not crazy about it myself, but I meet a lot of people who like it. To me, I, I I went to the premiere. Mrs. Spielberg thought I was going to kill myself. Mrs. I, I walked out in a daze. I go, this is, you know, you get in a film with Spielberg. You were John Belushi. And I thought, this is once in a lifetime, you know. And I saw the premiere and I knew it would tank. I How saw come? it and I go, this is, I just, for me, Frank, it wasn't funny. I, I, I got maybe, when we went to the premiere, it was, it was like a, a ghost town. It was like one of those things where the tumbleweed, Dan Aykroyd was there and you could hear his hollow laughter. It was just Dan, ha, 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 and Dan Aykroyd was the only one laughing. Oh, man. Steven Ooh. wasn't there. Steven wasn't at the premiere. Ron Howard, I remember, was there. And it was just, it was a dead premiere. And I walked home and I was just in a daze. I go, this is going to tank so bad. Yeah. And you, you probably, when you were in a Spielberg movie, you thought, I, I better be making my Academy speech. Exactly. Exactly, Gilbert. You thought, this is in the bag. I got Steven Spielberg. Belushi was the hottest comedian in the business. This is a sure thing. You know, how can I make And then it, you know... It, now, it did make its money back. It wasn't as big a financial bomb as they thought, but, you know, it got savaged. It was the most savage comedy ever. I know? have to say, though, it's filled with great performances. I mean, st- you, you and Murray are wonderful. Stack is great as, well, as, as General Stillwell. Slim Pickens is funny. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, there's some moments, I guess. They're really isolated, uh, very, very good isolated moments in it. You know, to be honest, I'd have to see it again. Yeah. I think you should. And Warren Oates is great. Okay. Okay. You did a movie called Mob Boss. Yes. Morgan Fairchild. Yeah. And and you said you had quite a good time with Morgan Fairchild. That was a great one. She asked me the easiest question of all time. Um, I have to make out in Morgan Fairchild. It's the gag. You know, the old classic gag, Gilbert, the, the sexy girl kisses the nerd and she moves in his glasses are steamed up. You know, yes, she moves in yes. his sight gag. So we're going to do that scene. Morgan Fairchild turns to me. She goes, do you want to rehearse? <laughs> so I'm looking, you know, I do my Oliver Hardy look at the camera happy. You know, you, you think, you know, so we're rehearsing. I'm making out with Morgan Fairchild. She's a great kisser. It was the happiest moment of my life. And we just, we made out a lot and then we did And she was wonderful. She was a great straight woman, great comedian. Yeah. So she rehearsed making out with you. Yep. Yep. Wow. One of my great moments. Your travels, uh, Yeah, but I, I, I never had that kind of luck. Right. <laughs> yeah, that was lucky. I should have paid them. Yeah. 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 Oh. Let me just ask you a couple of more things about 1941. Sure, Eddie. Before I jump off of it, how, how sure, much? I, was, I, how much was John Milius around? Was he on the set? Um, John was around a little bit. I don't remember. I have a lot of memories of him. Not necessarily a lot. No, yeah. that, I, that I, at least I saw. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I read too this Kubrick suggested to Spielberg that he do it as a drama. Had you ever heard that? No, I never heard that one. Really? Yeah. Oh my God. That's too weird. I find that interesting with John Belushi and Dan Aykroyd. That's amazing. No, it's just, I guess the story, the, the, oh, the, sto- the story of it. the LA panic. Okay, I see. I could see that. Yeah, that yeah. I could see. But, you know, Gilbert, we love character actors on this show. Slim Pickens, Warren Oates, wow, Dick, Dick right. Miller's in it. Oh, wow. Elisha oh, Cook Miller, yeah. is in it. Oh, yeah. Geez. Dub Taylor. Yeah. Right. Uh, Lionel Stander. Even Sam Fuller shows up. Candy is in there. Candy, John Candy, Joe Flaherty. I, I love Candy. Yeah. A Penny Marshall shows up. A Patty LuPone. One of the extras was Mickey Rourke. Mickey, Mickey was Rourke is the in set. there. Yeah. In yeah, yeah, one of the great cast. And they used, I think, Spielberg. Use the same girl who was killed at the beginning of Jaws. Yes, be my last signing show. My last signing show I just did with that girl. She's a doll. Susan, yeah, she was Susan Backlinny, is that her name? Something like that, yeah. Susan Back. It's some kind of a weird last name, yeah. Backbiter or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Which is ironic for Jaws, isn't it? Do you, have any, Bel- do you have any Belushi stories, Eddie? I know you guys yes. had lunch one day. I love the guy. I met him. He was at the I Want to Hold Your Hand premiere. John was there, and we were at the party afterwards. And he was just sitting alone, and I sat down on a bench, and we chatted. And he was the nicest guy, totally straight. Not You know, some com- Gilbert, you know, some comedians are always on doing this thing, and some comedians are very serious people. And John was one of those serious, we just talked about stuff, da-da-da-da. We talked philosophy and all this stuff for like a half hour, and that was where I met him. Anyway, we did 1941, and uh, one day, I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm a 22-year-old Schmendrick, you know, on the set. Steven Spielberg turns to me, Eddie, you want to go to lunch with us? What? You want to go to lunch with us? Okay, it's him, Belushi, and Dan Aykroyd. I'm a 22-year-old kid, you know? So we go to the commissary of the studio. I didn't say one word. I'm like, I'm sitting there, keep my jaw from dropping, you know? I'm sitting there, it was so surreal. But they all talk, you know, in kibitz. Yeah. I saw what it was like. Everybody kept approaching Steven, I remember. Mr. Spielberg, I did this sketch of you. Mr. Spielberg, can you sign this? Mr. Spielberg, I have this script, and everybody kept coming up to see there's nobody to protect them. And I just saw what it must be like to be Steven Spielberg, you know? I'm sure he's more insulated now, but we did the whole lunch. Then I realized I didn't have a wallet. I didn't have any money. I was, oh, my God, I ate my lunch. But luckily, Steven picked up the tab, so I didn't get to be it's embarrassed. It's interesting that he was that big of a deal, and he really only made two two films. Well, yeah. well Sugar Land Express. 
But, right. but really, Jaws and, uh, and Close, Close Encounters. Encounters. Yeah, but remember the effect they had at that time. It's kind of like Travolta, remember, he only, he only did Saturday Night Fever in Greece, but remember the tremendous effect of them. Yeah. I wonder they if this is so bullshit, huge. the kind of stuff I find. But I found right. that Kubrick suggested he do it as a drama, and I found that right. Spielberg kicked around the idea of doing it as a musical. Had you heard that? <laughs> is that no, I never did. That's yeah. interesting. I, I hope this is true. I think some, some of this came from Bob Gale or from a... Um, uh, from from a commentary, Eddie. Just to j- just to indulge me, will you say "trap like sure. beavers"? Was that? A, I'm trying to think how I said that line. <laughs> oh yeah, that's right. Trap like beavers. <laughs> I, I remember that. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, I'm kind of scared. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you made me happy. You uh, you like John Travolta a lot. I love John Travolta. Such a wonderful guy, and uh. We we did Greece. I had I was just I had my little role. And my first scene is I come up the stairs and the the T birds mess up my hair and they're you know I'm the guy that gets picked on. And after every take, John, are you okay, buddy? He called me buddy. You okay, buddy? He'd always come up. Are you all right, buddy? Yeah, it's okay, Mister. Or I think I called him John or whatever. But he always called me buddy. One day, my most surreal memory. I came on the set. I had a chocolate ice cream cone. I'm a little 20 year old idiot. I'm licking my ice cream cone. I look over. John Travolta is there. There were like this mob around him. It was like Elvis was there. I swear, girls, cheerleaders, everybody was around. Somehow he spotted me. I swear to God, this is true. He sees me all alone. He comes over. To the, How are you, buddy? He shakes my hand. I'm like, this is so friggin' surreal. But he shakes my hand. He made sure I was okay. Then he goes back and he's surrounded by all these people. But somehow he saw me. That's the, that's the John Travolta, the, the essence of what kind of a person he is. Yeah. He see, yeah. He, he, I, I worked with him once, too. And you danced with him. Oh, uh, yes. On screen. Yeah. Is that right? In I, what, Gilbert? I danced with John Travolta. And look who's talking to Oh, is that right? Okay, I'm sure I saw that. <laughs> oh, he must have gotten a kick out of you. I, I guess so. He was nice. And yeah, da- and very Dave nice Thomas guy. auditioned you for the experts. Uh, yeah, which was a, which was yes. John and Kel- John and Kelly Preston. Met. And, right. and I met the actor who got the part, and he said he envied me for not getting that part. <laughs> yeah, the movie did tank. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's true. Gilbert, what was Eddie Murphy like? I just saw oh. you in Beverly Hills Cop 2. Oh, he he was a lot of fun. Was he? Nice guy? Yeah. We had known each other from Saturday Night Live. Okay. And uh, and that whole scene, we improvised. We just Is that started, right? We did it different each time and just had fun and laughed the whole time. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. I love that scene. And I remember being invited to his bachelor party. Oh, yeah. Really? I was, yeah, (laughs) it was up in his house in Jersey. And I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be one of those Hollywood Babylon stories. (laughs) Where, like, and no one ever knew who killed that woman. (laughs) (laughs) Like Virginia Raff and the Coke bottle? Uh, Right, yeah, yeah. (laughs) See, Eddie gets all our references. Oh, yeah, sure. Eddie, you're so perfect for this podcast. You have to listen to it. Or or like uh, that William Randolph Hearst yacht ride. Oh, the the Pogdanovich movie. Yeah, Yeah, the, Yeah. uh, yeah, the, the cat's meow. Yeah, with uh, where Charlie Chaplin, with Tom- Cha- Chaplin supposedly, Chaplin yeah. Was Thomas, on there, yeah. Thomas Ince, Thomas Ince, yeah, Thomas Ince, right? Thomas Ince, yeah. yeah. I thought you were going to say what's his name? Who was the horror guy that was that was doing the autoerotic asphyxiation? The, the 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 the. Do you remember this? It came up on a previous show. Oh, the guy that was found under the the Cyclops, the dog, the the uh, the guy that was oh found. Oh my under, God, under, uh, Albert Decker. Albert Decker. Oh yes, yeah. yeah. He did a great Twilight him. Zone. 
naked, hanging yeah. from a noose right. in the yeah. bathroom. That's the guy I'm thinking yes. of. Yes. Covered with pornography. Right. And bound and gagged, and it was deemed a suicide. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't I wonder about that one. I remember remember he how great he was in the Twilight Zone, remember? The one where he comes back to the few, comes back to the present, he's a cowboy. Yeah. Oh, I, remember that episode? That I was think him. So I remember him with Julie Newmar in one. Oh, where he's the devil? Yes, where she's Yeah, I, I remember she, yeah, that. Yeah. 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 That's a great episode. What was your favorite Twilight Zone? Um, when I was a kid, I loved the it was the only time I'm one of these because everybody else loves them, but I never got into Jonathan Winters. But I loved his Twilight Zone. Oh, I yeah. thought he was a magnificent oh, actor. And I liked him in Mad like, Mad World. Uh, uh, Minnesota Fats. Minnesota Fats. Fats Brown. With, yeah, I with, love that episode. With Jack Klugman. Jack Klugman's in that Yes, one. I love that episode. Which made and, it one of two Jack Klugman episodes. Yeah, Jack Klugman did uh, Pip, his son. Remember, he had goes to the son's Yes, in, in memory yeah. of Pip or something. Yes, yeah, yeah. Or in right. praise of Pip. In praise with of Pip, you know your stuff. another yeah. of our podcast guests. Billy Mummy. Billy Mummy. Oh, yeah. We yeah. had him here. Isn't that isn't the Klugman nice one called Young Man with a Horn? Or isn't it? Isn't it doesn't, yes, he did three. Oh, doesn't he hide exactly the horn right. in the pawn shop? Yes. That's he's another the horn one. guy, right. So he's the yeah. third one. Third yeah. one. Wow. Yeah. With Klugman. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But before yeah. Our, our listeners are going to say, we never heard the Eddie Murphy story. You were expecting you were, you were were expecting degradation. Yes, and, and, uh, and oh, yeah. <laughs> it was like some. Debauchery. Some food there. <laughs> And uh, no strippers. I remember Bill Murray was there and Chris right? Rock and boy, I I thought that was gonna be one of those true Hollywood stories. Big letdown. I'm surprised, not necessarily debauchery, but I'm surprised they didn't at least have a, a stripper, just a regular stripper. Yeah, not right. even a stripper. No kidding. Huh. Nothing. It's amazing. And I thought this would be like. You know how it was suggested that what's her name, the gossip columnist for William Randolph Hearst. Oh, uh, Hopper. Hedda Hopper. Luella Parsons. Maybe Luella Parsons allegedly got a lifetime contract, basically to keep her mouth shut. I've heard that. Yeah. Oh, is yeah. that right? Yeah. Over what? Uh, there was a murder. Uh, oh, the William director, Ince thing? Thomas Ince. Right, right, okay. Yeah, Bogdanovich made, a, made a, a decent movie about it with Eddie Izzard yes, as Chaplin. I, I, playing Chaplin, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. there that. was a song where they say, and handsome Thomas Ince walked around just like a prince. Wow. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So tell us, you worked with Zemeckis and Gale in 1941, but how did you, right. but obviously before that, I want to hold your hand, how did you meet those guys? I met, I went in an audition. I want to hold your hand was the most I ever auditioned. I had nine auditions for that one. And we just hit it off. Sometimes in people, and sometimes it works the reverse, but sometimes you go in an audition. It's like life. You go in an audition and sometimes you just hit it off with the people. Yeah. And Zemeckis and Gale, I loved, and we just became immediate pals. Bob's Gale was literally crying. I, it's the only time I ever made a guy cry from laugh, but I was auditioning with some girl and I looked over and he was actually crying with laughter. We I just, we I just watched other. it again, Eddie. You're very funny in that movie and you're oh, very physical you. in that movie. Yeah, I mean, you tried to jump out the window at one point. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when when the hotel, that. the hotel cops, Dick Miller. Yeah, actually. that was Dick Miller. Wow. Yeah, Dick Miller, Miller two podcast guests yeah. interacting. Yeah, yeah. Now, have you ever met any of the Beatles? I did. I touched Paul McCartney. 
Can you give the Tonight Show? <laughs> that counts. <laughs> I, I don't know the if Tonight I want to hear the rest of it. <laughs> Gilbert had a brisket with Stu Sutcliffe. <laughs> oh, seriously? Oh, no. you did not. <laughs> no. Okay, that one I know is not. I did get this. I did a signing show with Pete Best. We were together for three days. We sat side by side. because He loved I Want to Hold Your Hand. Oh, we and we sat how, and what I got kind of guy is he? This is what I saw, Frank, and I swear to God I solved it. What's the biggest Beatles question ever? They go, why did the Beatles fire Pete Best? That's the eternal question. Yeah. And you know what happened? I saw this guy for three days, and I knew what it was. He do- he's the nicest guy in the world. He's a super nice guy, but he doesn't have that wicked sense of humor. The Beatles had this funny sense of humor, all four, mostly Lennon. But Pete Best was just the straightest guy. And also, he didn't have that little bit of needling, that kind of little bit of cruelty the Beatles had. They just had this little edge to him. Oh, interesting. And Pete Best was just that. Yeah, he was like, and I go, he didn't fit in. I go, I can totally see those years, 60 to 62. This guy was with him for two years. And I, it's one of those group things where he did not fit in the group. And then Ringo came in and he could just see it was the perfect puzzle fit. Because you hear so many different stories about why, stories, why it didn't work I, out with him. That he, I'm telling he was supposedly you, they, getting yeah. uh, getting the girls and John. He, John or he and wasn't Paul a good envious. drummer. Yeah, yeah he wasn't a good he was drummer. The biggest star. Yeah, he was like the, the the women liked them. But I'm telling you, from what I saw, it was one. You know, we've all been in these groups in your life where you go in and you just don't fit in with a group. And I saw it in Pete. Yeah. They they go Eddie D's and this is Pete Best. And there there was some kind of the reporters were setting it up for shtick. They go, Pete, this is the great Eddie Deason or something. And he goes, hello, Eddie. And he, it was totally straight. And I go, John Lennon would have made some kind of a joke. Ringo would have made some kind of a wisecracker, done some kind of shtick. But he didn't do any shtick jokes all weekend. And he, I'll give you the ultimate Pete best question. I go up to him. I got to ask him. And I go, Pete, I go, why did you never comb your hair long in the Beatles cut? And he goes, nobody ever asked me. Wow. And I, it's so simple. And I go, that's Pete Best. That's just who the guy is. He's, he's a very simple guy, a regular guy who played two years with the Beatles. That's who he is. Interesting. Yeah. That's yeah. an interesting that's an interesting take. Yeah, I wonder yeah. if he'd be good for this show, Gilbert. Pete yeah. Best. Oh, God. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Oh. Is he a talker? He is so- he expressive, Eddie? You can bring it. He's, he's a rather shy guy. You know what I saw, Frank, all weekend? I signed with him for three days, eight hours a day. Every single person. Pete, I feel so bad for you. Pete, I'm so sorry. Oh, Pete, God. you really got been hearing that for everybody. Yes, yeah, that's what I said. I said, Pete, you've been hearing this for 40 years, and he just nods. I go, you must have heard everything for 40 years, and he just nodded his head. That's what that's everybody not, says to the guy. My understanding of him was that he'd made peace with it years ago, and he was a well-adjusted fellow. Probably. Well, remember, he from the Beatles anthology, he is a millionaire, so he, he at least got a payoff out of it. Yeah, that's something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, so he did make money, Pete Best. Yeah, the anthology they played, they had Pete Best songs, and he is a millionaire now. So at least that part Not is bad. Well, oh. uh, yeah. By yeah. the way, speaking of I Want to Hold Your Hand, and Eddie uh, is co-starring with the, our, our pal Dick Miller, but Will Jordan's in there as well. Oh, Will the Jordan, great yeah. Will Jordan. Playing Ed the Sullivan. Will Jordan, yeah, yeah, yeah. We had, we had him here. You are so funny in that movie playing Ringo Kloss. Oh, thank you. And yeah. you swing on a microphone from the rafters at one yes, point. My hands you try to bloody. jump out a window. My hands, they <laughs> taped up my hands. We did so many swings in that scene that my hands were bloody and cut. So they put tape on my hands and I had to keep swinging, I remember. Yeah. yeah Will I Jordan, mean, you know what I asked Will have... Jordan? I'm sorry. You Go know ahead. what I asked Will Jordan, by the way? We were sitting together in makeup and I asked him what I always wanted. I said, was there something physically wrong with Ed Sullivan? Was he, did he have a sickness? Or, and he said, you know what? That's the question I get asked the most. And he goes, as far as I know, he didn't. There was just some, he was just, uh, oh, here they are, you know, it's this weird skeleton guy, you know. Yeah. But I, I thought, he was there a physical thing? Was there a disease I don't he know. had? 
You know what? Yeah, you know I, I had never heard any rumors about it. Just yeah. that he was like basically talentless. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh totally uh had no uh performance skill whatsoever. And, right. And, and wielded his power as a weapon. Yes. I heard he was is a that, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. Yeah. You know when okay. Will Jordan was in this very room, he's ninety now. Right. When you guys God made that movie him. in seventy eight? Right. 77, 78. 77, 77. He really yeah. looks like Ed Sullivan. Yeah. I mean, it's a he masterful does. makeup job, but, the, yes. but. And they're shooting him from a distance, but yeah. you, have, you right. have to see it. I mean, he is the embodiment of Ed Sullivan yeah. in that picture. Absolutely. He's a dead and ringer. He, he yeah. was in about 10 movies, Will Jordan. Always is Ed Sullivan? He's Ed Sullivan. Except is for that Broadway right? Danny yeah. Rose, <laughs> where he's playing Will Jordan. <laughs> It's a funny movie, Eddie. It's a, it's a, it's oh, thank a, you. it's an underrated movie. You, you're thank funny. You so Wendy Joe is funny. Oh, thank you. It's yeah, got that, a lot was, of energy. Yeah, that was a great film. They saw it. Three of them saw it. Oh, get this. Paul McCartney did me. He did me. He literally, he was being interviewed for a Beatles magazine. My, I had an old friend, Joe Pope, and he, sadly, he later died of AIDS, but he was a wonderful guy, but he had a, a magazine called Strawberry Fields Forever. And he said, he goes, did you ever see the movie? I want to hold your hand. He asked Paul McCartney. And McCartney goes, and the answer come back. He did my shtick. He goes, oh, and the that. answer come back. Oh. And the answer come back. And I, was, I go, Paul McCartney friggin' did me. Yeah. I was going to ask you that if any of the Beatles had, had any reaction to that movie because I was digging around online looking for that. But obviously this is what Paul, I heard. Paul sees everything. Yeah, this is what I heard, Frank. I heard one report. There was like a little blurb in Brian. They go, Paul and Ringo saw a screening and they both liked it. But then I, I heard an interview with Ringo, and he goes, I can't believe Spielberg got involved with the garbage film. Like He didn't like it. So I don't know which story is true. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. And you yeah. like Tom Hanks a lot. I love Tom Hanks. What, mo- nicest guy ever. I, I didn't know he was in Polar Express, okay? I auditioned, and I came to the set the first day. And they go, Eddie, we're going to show you. We're going to do this thing called motion capture. And they showed me a little screen of it, a little acting of it. And I heard it was Tom Hanks' voice. I go, nah, it couldn't be. Nobody had told me Tom Hanks was starring in it. So I get in, all of the cast and crew are there. There's like 100 people in the room. I, Tom Hanks is in this. So one of the producers goes, just relax. He's like a big overgrown kid. Okay. So Tom Hanks comes bouncing in the room. He comes to me out of everybody that's comes out. Hi, Eddie, I'm Tom. You know, no shit, Sherlock. You know, Tom, <laughs> yeah, you, you know uh, yes, sir. No, no, no. The nicest guy ever all through the shoot. I got to tell you the greatest story ever. We, were, we did some reshoots, retakes of uh, Polar Express. We were doing some pickup shots at the end. It was the day Captain Kangaroo died. Bob Keeshan, you uh-huh. know, Captain Kangaroo. We all sure. were. Tom, Tom and I love Captain Kangaroo. We both we were sitting in makeup together. We were both commiserating. I can't believe Captain Kangaroo said we were reminiscing how we love Captain Kangaroo. And I was real sad, you know, Captain Kangaroo's dead, you know. So I get out of the makeup room. I'm down there coming. It was a bright, sunny day. Tom Hanks comes out the door. It was just me and Tom, nobody else. I'm looking up into the sun at Tom Hanks. He sings me the Tom Terrific song. He didn't say anything. He just say, I'm Tom Terrific, and this is my dog. He sings, however that song goes, he sang me the whole Tom Terrific song. I almost wept, you know. He's singing me this song. My own little concert of Tom Hanks. I was spellbound. I go, all I could think of, I go, you know what? You're a great guy. I go, you're a fucking great guy. And he just smiled and he went off. That was he, my best. He's Tom one Hanks of those moment. guys. You hear stories like that. Uh, yeah, John, John yeah. Amos. You know John. Remember John Amos from Good Times? Absolutely. Yeah. John Amos was here, and he told us he went backstage to see Tom to to, to congratulate him after he did a Broadway. He was some in a Broadway play, and he walked backstage, and Tom started singing a, a McDonald's jingle 
from a commercial <laughs> that John Amos was in with Anson Williams. Oh, my God. And it made John so happy. I think he's, yeah. he's one of those yeah. guys that just— He's that kind of a guy. He had the Santa Claus suit on, okay, in Polar Express, and he was around the set, and he, they had a hammock for him, and he was laying there. And I go, this guy is freaking Santa Claus. If there was ever a Santa Claus in real life, this guy is the embodiment of Santa Claus. That's Tom Hanks. Anyway, we finished Polar Express the last day. Eddie, I hear you're a baseball fan. Yeah, I am. He goes, I, I have box seats at Dodger Stadium. Would you like to come to a couple games? You're fucking kidding. <laughs> you know, do you want to have sex with Marilyn Monroe? Yeah, you think, you know. So anyway, you know, he takes me to three Dodger games. Oh, that's I got great. To bring my friend. I had a friend named Tommy, okay? He, had, he was dying of Lou Gehrig's disease. I thought he'd get a kick out of it. He, his body was progressively getting worse. It was atrophying, and he, he ended up twisted and gnarled. He eventually he suffocated. You know, it was a horrible death. But anyway, I took him to the first game with Tom Hanks. I will never forget the sight of Tom. And Tommy could hardly talk, and he couldn't understand him. He go, well, you take me to the game, and you bear. And I'll never forget looking down, and Tom was listening carefully to what he was saying and nodding. And he go, I was a uh, Mister Hanks, and and then Tom signed the baseball for him. You could barely understand Tom, but. That was what I remember about Tom Hanks, just him really intently listening to this poor guy. Tom didn't know he was going to die or anything, but yeah. Tom just nodded and listened, and he made it special for Tommy. Another yeah. mensch. Nice to hear. Yeah. No he Andy is. Griffith. No. <laughs> <laughs> no scumbag Andy Griffith. <laughs> right. I, right. <laughs> I, was, I was glad to see, too, and I and found this in my research, speaking of Hanks, that you're also mm-hmm. a fan, as Gilbert and I are, of That Thing You Do. Yes, I love that movie. That's a great yeah. movie. Us yeah, too. yeah. Yeah, I never I see the guys around, but it's one of those where they all peak. It's kind of like, okay, the big version is the Wizard of Oz, except for Judy Garland. Every one of these guys peaked. They never came close to those great roles. You know, they were so perfect. And that's one of those films. The the mean guy never I never saw him in anything great. And the the funny guy was never in anything as great as that. They all kind of just were. That was a great movie. Terrific movie. Terrific ensemble. And Tom directed that, you know. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He's very good in it. Gilbert, we've talked about that movie. Oh, yeah. Um, I love that film. I got a couple of Beatle questions for you, Eddie. Sure, you're, the ex- absolutely. you're the expert. First of sure. all, did you be did did that movie ter- uh, make you more excited about the Beatles, or or were you a Beatles guy from from the get go? You know what it is, Frank. It was one of those I played myself. I literally, oh, I'm a you, Beatles freak. You were a fan I'm a Beatles a nut. Yes, I love the Beatles. I remember watching them on the Ed Sullivan show. I remember seeing Hard Day's Night and Help in the theaters. I always loved them, so I just played myself. Do yeah. you like Yellow Submarine? I asked this of Beatles fans, even though yes. it's not the Beatles' voices. Yeah, I wish the Beatles were the, did the voice. I wish they Me did, too. but I love the film. Yeah, you do. Yeah. You do. I wish they'd done more films. They were such great comedians. I know. And after Help, you know, they just it just stopped. But oh, they could have been a great Nights, comedy team. Well, yeah, they, Hard Day's Night's my favorite all time movie. One of mine too. They did yeah. the pretty terrible. Uh, Magical mystery tour. Magical, yeah, it's a strange one. Yeah, that's not really a narrative so much as it's oh, like a disconnected series of music videos. Yeah, you watch the great videos, right? And then in the between, it's like they were these stone guys. George said it was the, the most expensive home movie ever. It's like these four guys just making a big home movie. That's what it looks like. Did you see Across the Universe? Did you like it? No, I never Julie, did. Never saw Julie, that, Frank. You should see it. Is it good worth seeing? Yeah, worth seeing. Ambitious. Okay. It's, you know, it's got the music. Okay, which okay. Is, which is hard now, to dislike. Do you right, remember true. those the Beatles cartoon series? Oh, the Saturday absolutely, morning. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. I used to love it. Yeah, and the voices were so off in that oh. they were they didn't sound anything. <laughs> John was like this distinguished guy, like a Noel Coward guy, and the voices <laughs> didn't fit him at all. Yeah, it was like 
One of them sounded like Ronald Coleman. Right. <laughs> <laughs> like anything right. vaguely British You're was right. good enough. By the way, Gilbert. Like Laird Krieger. <laughs> Gilbert. <laughs> Gilbert, we got to get into your film, How Much I Loved It. But you do the best John MacGyver ever. Doesn't I never he? heard anybody oh, do John MacGyver. Oh, finally, I guess <laughs> to appreciate John MacGyver. Oh, please. Thank you. Oh, my God. That was so good. Yeah. You do Give a good Tony John Curtis, MacGyver. too. That's in my film, Gilbert. Yes. yes. I loved it. Great Everything movie. Everything in this factory must be run <laughs> according to schedule. I run Perfect. a tight ship. <laughs> Perfect. Nailed it. Did hey, I'm going to send you the Peter Asher yes. episode that we did, too, since you're such a Beatle guy. Oh, please. I'd love it. We yeah, i got to catch here. up on your show. I, I, see, I've got to be taught how to use to see it. Because I've heard so many great things about it. All my friends love it, but I didn't know how to get it on the computer. I'm, I'm, I'm so stupid. You're kind. Well, I'll send you some links. We had Billy J. Kramer here, too, since you're such a British Oh, my God. Guy. Yes. Yeah. yeah. John Lennon gave him the J, you know. That's right. John Lennon put the J in, yeah. That's right. Yeah. He gave him yeah. a hit song, too. That's right. Yeah. And, and what is your opinion of Night at the Opera? It's not my favorite, Gilbert. Yeah. But it's a good film, but the, the, the real Marx Brothers connoisseurs like the first five. Those first of five course. was Zeppo. That's Zeppo, it. yeah. Zeppo apparently is worthless, but he gave this great balance. It was Zeppo and Groucho and Harpo and Chico, and there was this perfect balance he gave. And when he left, there was something missing. And, it's one and of these great enigmas. The opera, yes. Night at the Opera, it looked like the Marx Brothers were put on a leash. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what happened, Gilbert? They did it, and then Thalberg took over, and women didn't like the Marx Brothers. So they go, we got to be more appealing to women. So they put in the musical numbers. They put in the romance, you know, and stuff Alan like that. And Alan Jones, yeah. Alan Jones, yeah. The, he was the Zeppo. He was yeah, kind I of prefer the Zeppo, Zeppo with a big yeah. yeah, me too. But that's what it is. Yeah, they, they got watered down, yeah. We see the remember with the Marx Brothers, they didn't get in until they were in their 40s. We, we didn't see all, all this great stuff they did on Broadway. Of course. We, none of that's ever recorded. That was, you know, we probably missed the real heyday yeah. where they were really wild and going crazy. You remember the old 60s saying, don't trust anyone? What was it? Don't trust anyone under 30? Oh, yeah. I say yeah. don't trust anyone who prefers the MGM films. Yeah. Very yes. good. Very <laughs> astute. You're right. You're yeah, very astute. I, I always thought the Night at the Opera was the beginning of the end. Yes, you're so right. Did Very you, good call. Did you once play Harpo's Harp, Eddie? Yes, I did. We saw a Harpo one-man show. The guy's name was Les something, Les Marsden or something. But we went into his dressing room after the show. He was our friend, and we said, you know, great show. And he had Harpo's Harp in there. You, can I please that? And I sure go ahead. And I played Harpo's Harp. I got one of my great moments. I got Pretty cool. on Harpo's Harp. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool. I mean, that's you're talking the genius of geniuses. Harpo Marks. Curly Howard, you wonder where these guys came from. They were kind of in these groups, but they alone, they were as good as Chaplin or Keaton. At their best, they were as good as any comedians ever. And I heard um, Cary Grant was a big fan of the Stooges. Really? Pre- yeah, particularly uh, I didn't know Curly. That. Is that right? I didn't yeah. know that. Well, Eddie's That's a big Curly guy. Oh, yeah. Curly's my favorite. He makes me laugh more than anybody. You know who else I heard, by the way? Frank Sinatra. In one of the, it's either Nancy's book, one of the daughters wrote, she said, yes, he said, my dad would come home. He'd turn on the three students. He said, and I'd hear him laugh like howling. He would just laugh like crazy. So Sinatra was a three Stooges fan too. And and I heard when Larry Fine was in a home, 
James Cagney would visit him. Oh, is that right? That's yeah. fascinating. I didn't know that. Also good stuff. Gil, you hope yeah. you've been yeah. holding out on me. You never told me that. <laughs> I don't like talking to I you. I understand that. <laughs> Eddie, what do you know about fake Shemp? Fake Shemp, okay. Well, Shemp hat was under contract. <laughs> we're, obs- we're obsessed with this now. Yes. He, you know the story. He did 73 films with the studios, and the- Shemp goes to the fights one night. He's lighting a cigar, and the guy thought he fell asleep. His friend Al Wentz there, he- Shemp's on his shoulder. Shemp had died. He just literally conked out. Most said it happened in 30 seconds. It was all over for Shemp. Whereas Curly had his stroke. Curly lingered for six years. But they said Shemp just ended. So anyway, the Stooges owe him four films. So it, it's, you know, they put in this stock footage of the Stooges. They put in the old Stooges films. And they had this guy called Joe Palma come in. And they have the back of him like Shemp. And he goes, <laughs> you know, going around. And they just show this guy back. Hold your horses, you know, like Shemp. And they show him jumping around. If you look at it, it's it's almost unnecessary. Well, but that's it, what fake Shemp is. It's kind of like to, so the audience would understand, like when they would have uh, uh, George going to George Steinbrenner's office in Seinfeld, right? And the uh, the George Steinber- Steinbrenner guy would be like bouncing from side to side. And if he got up from his chair, he ran out sideways. Right. He that was Larry turned. David. That was Larry and, David, you know. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. and they they uh with with Joe Palmer, that's the way he would run around with the stooges. Yes. Yeah. He, they he, had this stringy hair in the back and it looked like Shemp from the back. Yeah, it was crazy. <laughs> Fake and, Shemp. and then sometimes he would like carry like a bunch of brooms or mops. Yeah, as exactly. a gag to cover right. his face. Exactly. And and I heard uh, Sam Raimi, the director, when he's doing a trick in one of his movies, he calls it a a false shemp, a fake shemp. Yeah, a fake yeah, shemp. yeah. It's showbiz shemp. nomenclature now. Yeah, love yeah. it, love it, love it. You are a Stooges expert, Eddie. Oh, I love the Stooges. Yeah. You talk yeah, to Drew Friedman a lot about the, Sto- the Stooges on Facebook? Uh, honestly, no. I've seen his drawings, but we've, we've never really ch- – I mean, I love Drew, but I've never chatted with him so much. You guys should I know chat. he loves Shemp. Yeah, I know you he loves Shemp. You guys would have a nine-hour phone conversation. Yeah, he's a Shemp man. There's a few people that like he Shemp better than Chris. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, enough he's to a, say. Alex Trebek on Jeopardy is a Shemp fan, and the guy that plays um, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants, my friend Tom Kenny. Oh, Tom Kenny. prefers Shemp to Curly. Yeah, there's very few, but some like Shemp better. Now – I also heard that the guy who inherited the Three Stooges fortune was the family of Curly Joe Dorita. Is that right? I didn't know that. The, oh, my God. The most unfunny. <laughs> we got to check with Steve yeah. Cox yeah. on that. The most unfunny yes. stooge. The most unfunny world. He, yeah, he's a world famous comedian, and he never he's never done anything funny in his life, this guy. He's the no. least funny world famous <laughs> comedian because he's a member of the Three Stooges. Alan Jones because was funnier. Yeah. <laughs> Alan Jones was funnier. You're right. You're right. It was like it was like at that point, Moe and Larry saw a fat bald guy and yeah. said, ah, good enough. <laughs> yeah, the guy, ha- right. The guy had no comedy instincts at all. You know what? how I always say it? It went down progressively, like an Aristotle equation almost. What Curly is to Shemp, as Shemp is to Joe, as Joe is to Curly Joe. They went from this, the greatest comedian ever, to a very funny comedian, to a guy who was occasionally funny every once in a while, to a guy who was never funny at all, the least <laughs> funny guy that ever lived. 
It's a perfect syllogy. Yeah. Stooge yeah. theory, according yeah. to Eddie Deason. Absolutely. It is. Oh, it fantastic. Is. Yeah. Eddie, Eddie, I got a couple of quick questions from our listeners. This is called sure. grill, grill the Guest, and people go okay. to- Now, wait. Before, go didn't ahead. you live uh, next door to a woman- who used to appear in Three Stooges films? Yeah, Greta Tyson. She yeah. just, she oh just, she just died. Do you yeah. know who she was? Sure, she was with she was with Joe Besser. Yeah, she was on the Upper East Side. My wife came yeah. home one day and she said, "I saw a woman in the street. I don't know her name. I don't know anything about her, but I can tell you by the way she carried herself that she must have been in the movies, or right. she must have been a great actress at one right. time." And so we, a couple of weeks later, I ran into her. Somebody in the bank knew her name. We had no idea who she was. I was too shy to approach her and said, oh, that's Greta Tyson. She was she was a stand in for Marilyn Monroe, too. Is that right? She, oh, my God. Yeah, she did a lot of things and she worked with the Stooges. Right. And uh, I never saw her again in the street. She was she lived, lived on the Upper East Side. She just passed. And yeah, I she heard just passed away. And who was that fat girl who worked in about two, three Stooges movies with Joe Besser? Uh, yes, yeah. Yes, big, I remember her tiny. Girl. They called her tiny, but I, I don't remember her real name. Her I don't and, remember. And, and I remember she, in her stage act, one of her lines, her slogans was, let's go places and eat things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that was, that was... <laughs> That was in Midnight Madness. They must they must have got Midnight Madness from that. Remember the fat chicks in Midnight Madness? That was their yes. catchphrase. They yes. must have got that from Greta or from that fat lady. I mean, here's two questions from from fans, Eddie. Laura Pinto, sure. our friend Laura Pinto. Laura Pinto. Uh, Eddie appeared in three movies. I absolutely love Greece. I want to hold your hand and Polar Express. What was his favorite experience of the three? Um, oh my God, I guess um. Even though I have such a little role in Greece, I'm so negligible in Greece. But because your first film was such an adventure, you know, it's so much fun. That was probably the most surreal fun, I guess. Greece, Greece, Polar Express, the close second, yeah. And re- didn't you go? Didn't you go to? A, isn't there a story about you going to church? Yeah, that's During a religious Greece? story. Yeah, again, if you're a religious person, you take the story as is you know gospel. And if you're not religious, you just say it's a coincidence. But anyway, they, I was in Greece. I was Eugene. So I got the script. I had like four lines. It was a little roll. But anyway, they hired me. They, Eddie, you're in Greece. I was celebrating. I told all my friends. I told my family. They call like the next night as if they, to kick me in the balls, you know. <laughs> they cut Eugene out. Eugene's no longer in the movie. You can imagine how I felt, you know. My whole world had been ripped away. So I, my agent and I were talking. I was about to cry, you know. Let's go to church and light a candle. What? Go to church. You light a candle. Okay. I'd never been in a church in my life. I'm Jewish. So we go in church. So you light a candle. Yeah. We light a candle. I swear to God. We both lit candles. I think it's still the only time I've ever been in church. But anyway, we go out. The next day, they said, we Eugene was put back in. You're back in the movie. It's a true story. It's my only religious story. Well, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> the power of prayer. Yeah. Yeah. So so Jesus is still around. And <laughs> right. And this is the kind of things yeah. he Jesus, yeah. put Eddie right, back exactly. in Greece. <laughs> exactly. Right. And, he wanted Eugene back in. The guy did. And you, I mean, most of the time in movies, you know, with the crew cut and the voice and mannerisms, was all like a Jerry Lewis. Unequivocally. I yeah. worship Jerry but Lewis. But never Sammy Petrillo. world to me. Yeah, I got more compared to Sammy Petrillo because I my talent level is more Petrillo than Jerry Lewis. <laughs> Jerry Lewis is God, you know. <laughs> but anyway, I met Jerry. I'd seen Jerry Lewis. I saw him in Vegas and I saw him in Damn Yankees. 
I met him. This was maybe like, I'd say five years ago. He's signing his CDs or it was some CD was what he did. The jazz singer. He was there. So I'm in line. Like I, I swear to God, I turned into a 12 year old kid. I'm standing there rehearsing. Mr. Lewis, I'm your biggest fan. I've seen all your movies. I'm rehearsing over and over. Mr. Lewis, I'm your biggest fan. I've seen all your movies. I love you. You know, the guy's heard it 20 million times. But the thing is, some some celebrities can hear it again and they'll appreciate it in present time. And some go are fuck you, you know. So anyway, I go to Jerry Lewis. It's my turn. There was like a split second where he did a take. He saw me walking. Now, I never knew. Did he recognize me? Did he know I was a guy in the movies? Or did he just see this freaky looking guy? Because I walk funny. I have scoliosis and I naturally walk crooked. So he either saw me looking funny or he knew who I was. But there was this split second he saw me. So anyway, I walk up. I remembered my lines. Mr. Lewis, I'm your biggest fan. I've seen all your movies. I think you're the greatest comedian in the world. Dead silence. It's like Adolf Eichmann is looking at me. I swear to God. He, just, he, looked at me with, he looked at me with such disdain. I mean, this guy, the guy hated my guts for whatever reason. He looked at me with total disdain. He did everything but like sneer at me, you know? But I'm, I'm saying, I, and I started, I started babbling stuff. I was nervous. <laughs> Mr. Lewis, I think you're great. I, I loved you in the movies with Dean Martin. I'm saying these stuff. I dropped the names of a couple people that knew him. I go, I, I know Jim Nybauer. He's dead silence. And then finally he deigned to say, he said, uh, thank you. He said, it was like, it was like a little kid being forced to eat their spinach. That was how he did. He goes, thank you. <laughs> Unbelievable. And then I took the things I was, I go, thanks, Mr. Lewis. So I went down and saw my manager. He goes, what happened? I go, I go, I just met Santa Claus and he kicked me in the balls. That's how I felt. I just, I had never been, he goes, you look like you're going to cry. I almost cried. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Adolf Eichmann. <laughs> that was a bad one. Yeah. Oh God. I it, heard he had his mean side, but boy, he had his oh mean boy. side. You heard yeah. it. Huh? This was just this was just the the most hostile thing. If you can imagine, if you've ever been a person that just absolutely hated your guts or just had no time for you, and that's how he treated me. Maybe yeah. he knew that you were kind of doing a little bit of Jerry. That, I always want, I'll never know, but it could have been that. It could well have been that. He, this is this third rate guy. You know, and I know he hated Sammy Petrillo. So maybe think, you know, this guy's another Sammy Petrillo and maybe that's why I, he hated me. I, I don't know. For sure. Sammy Petrillo once showed up at one of his shows and, and Lewis had him kicked out. Really? What, yeah. a, my what a guy. He hated him that much. Yeah. 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 Eddie, as we wind down, tell us. I'm going to let you pick. Yes, sir. You want to sure. tell us about Mike Mazurki? Do you want to tell us? Yes. The, you worked with Stuart Whitman. You worked with Bill yes. Hickey. Yes. I worked with Bill Hickey. In what? In, in an episode of Wings. Oh, okay. Was I nice played his, his nephew. Okay. I think I was his nephew too, Gilbert. I think in Mob Boss. <laughs> I think I was. <laughs> So we got that in common. Whatever yeah. the best story is among these guys. Also, you I, you told me you had a Mickey Rooney story. I have a Mickey Rooney story. I, I just wanted to finish John Belushi real quick just to give yeah. him his due. This is just a real quick one. The last time I saw John Belushi, we were kind of pals. And, you know, you run into people around town. So I had had a real bad audition. I came up with just one of those terrible auditions. Now, who's there? John Belushi's outside hanging around. Hi, da da da, da. How you doing? Da, da da I go, John, I just had this terrible audition. They hated me. And he goes, they're assholes. And he walked off. That was the last time I saw him. That was the last time I saw John Belushi. Yeah. Wow. Mike Mazurki, we did Mob Boss, okay? I was in awe of him, you know? Of course. This is Mike freaking Mazurki. Give me some juice, honey. Come to breakfast. Got any juice, honey? Or you got some bacon, honey? He talked like that. But anyway, there's one scene in Mob Boss where I have to do a big speech. 
I did the thing. I read it all. Da 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 da. And it was like a solemn speech. It lasts like two minutes. But we finished it. And Mike Mazurki comes over me. He goes, "Hey, kid, you did good." That's what he said. And that was the time I talked to Mike Mazurki. So I that that meant a lot to me because nice. I love that was his last film. That was Mike Mazurki's last movie, Mob Boss. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what's what's funnier? You emailed me. You said you had a couple of fan stories and also the Mickey Rooney. Yeah, Mickey Rooney. I did four shows with him. I did four signing shows with him. Uh huh. And he was it was two and two. Twice he was the nicest guy ever, and twice he was the meanest little prick. Just the meanest, nastiest <laughs> guy. Just the meanest guy. He was. He ran hot and cold. But one of his. <laughs> Anyway, one of his nicer shows, I was there and we were talking and I said, Miss, I was just one of those sincere moments ago, Mr. Rudy, I loved you in Boys Town. And I looked at him and he, I saw that twinkle in his eye. Oh, nice. And I saw that's Mickey Rooney from 1938. And I realized that's the one part of our body that never changes. The rest of our body all gets old, but your eyes never change. You could be 108 years old and your eyes are still the same as when they were 20. And I saw that twinkle in his eye and that was Mickey Rooney from 1938 with Spencer Tracy. Love it. But so anyway, why did he turn on you? He just was grouchy. He was like, he was a kind of a curmudgeon. Yeah. And sometimes I'd be there, ah, da, 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 leave me alone. Oh, I saw Mickey Rooney come out with Dick Van Dyke one day. They're walking out. And the, you know, this is like the surreal shot of all that. Mickey Rooney and Dick Van Dyke come out from a voiceover session. And we all went to Dick Van Dyke. Nicest guy ever. Oh, Gilbert, sure. I loved your scene in the movie. I, it was so beautiful you singing with him. But anyway, yeah. he was the nicest guy ever. Gracious. We all shook his hand. How are you? The most charming guy. Mickey Rooney's there. My, let's go see Mickey Rooney now, all my friends. I go, no, no, he gives off bad vibes. I could tell there was something. So they open up Mickey Rooney. It's like this corny, crabby neighbor. He goes, get away from me. Get away from me. He shoved them all away, and he just went out. He was just this crabby curmudgeon. I, anyway, Mickey Rooney, I went to the bathroom besides him. We did a signing show together, and he, had, he wore these little shorts. He had these plaid shorts on. So Mickey Rooney goes into the men's room, and I go, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <Mickey Rooney. laughs> Mickey Rooney's in the toilet. He's sitting there behind the door, and I see his shorts around his ankles. I go, Mickey Rooney's taking a dump, you know? <laughs> so, <laughs> and I went in the next booth, and I go, I, I went to the bathroom beside Mickey Rooney. I went in, and I did number one, you know, but I was beside Mickey Rooney. Yeah. And Mickey Rooney was taking a dump. He was taking a dump, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a beautiful story. It is. Another now, tear. I, I heard a story. <laughs> About Mickey Rooney, that when he'd be on tour doing a play or a show, his big thing was he'd invite everyone to, like, the hallway where they had a payphone. And he, the whole cast and crew, he'd invite over, and they'd be excited, going, ah, Mickey's doing it again. (laughs) And he would call his wife long distance, wherever he was, and he would, like, fuck a girl against the wall or get a blowjob while telling his wife how much he loved her. You're kidding me. Are you serious? That's that the like, story I heard. That sounds like Chico Marx. That sounds like a Chico Marx story. Oh, yeah. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's something <laughs> Chico would do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sick individuals. That is hilarious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, this this takes us naturally into our clothes already. <laughs> <laughs> you, you and I had a nice phone chat the, yes. the, the other night. By the way, this is one of my favorite episodes in a long time. So thank you so much. Oh, so my pleasure. For entertaining. I got to say, before we end, please let me say something. But you can say yours first. But I have to say something before we end. But do you want me to say mine now? Yeah, sure, if you want. 
Gilbert Gottfried, I wish I was there to hug you. You've given me so much laughter and joy in my life. And I, I, your wife, you hit such a home run. You, you know, in life, everybody always strikes out. We're all like Charlie Brown striking out in our life. But with Dara, I just talked to her over the phone and I met her. You hit such a home run with her. And I saw it in your movie. What a lovely lady she is. You're the luckiest guy in the world. And I, you're such a great comedian. And I, I just, I have to ask you one question though, Gilbert, that I did, the movie didn't explore it. And I wonder about it. Who did it for you as a comedian? Who did, who influenced you? Did you base your character on anybody or is it wholly original? Yeah. Never based it on anyone. Interesting. It, it was weird. It was like one of those things when people say, where did your persona come from? Yeah. Yeah. I always kind of think to me, because I performed like a trillion times and then one day you wake up and go, oh, I've been doing it that way a while. And, and so it's kind of like when people ask me that, it's like going up to someone in the street and saying, you know how when you walk, you kind of move your arms a certain way? When, mm-hmm. How did you come up with that? It's just totally natural. Yeah. yeah. Or the way that you is so sip your coffee cup. How, where, right. where did you develop? Never right. thought consciously. He's just an original creature, moving. Eddie. <laughs> He is. Your movie is so awesome. I just loved it. It was. Oh, you know, thank it's, it's, you. It's the cliche. You laugh, you cry. There's so many sad, touching, poignant moments in it. And Gilbert is so hilarious. We all know that. I, I just loved it. Yeah, but I really, I got to see Dara and how, you know, a lot of people never get that. See, I've never had that in my life. Somebody to come along and, and save you like that. And I know what you mean, what it means to have somebody save you like that. And I'm happy for you. Oh, thank you. What a nice yeah. thing. And, and One the, of you yeah. appreciates her, Dara. <laughs> <laughs> That's beautiful. And the movie's called Gilbert. It's on Hulu. Yes. Neil Berkeley oh, did a it, wonderful job. He did. Please. So, One of the best documentaries I've ever seen it in my really life. It really is. Yeah. It really is. You, who did it? Who directed? Neil Berkeley. Is he a new? I, I've heard of him. Yeah, he made a director. good movie. He made a, do, a documentary about Wayne White, the, Pee-wee, the uh, Pee-wee's Playhouse designer. Okay, and okay. Dan Harmon. And when he made one about Dan Harmon. Okay. Creator it's just of, so beautifully um, done. Yeah. Rick and Morty. Yeah, he's, okay. he, yeah, he did a wonderful job capturing this loon. Sitting, yeah, absolutely. Sitting absolutely. next to me. This, this very, strange well, a very sociopath. Unique, a very unique guy, yeah. <laughs> so, Eddie, tell us, yes, uh, tell tell Gil the story you told me on the phone about, uh, about the, the late night phone call from Spielberg and Zemeckis. Oh, okay. I'll tell you this story. This is the one story that I didn't know if I should put up, but I'll just tell you. We're all we're all old and who cares? We're all adults. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were filming I Want to Hold Your Hand in New York, okay? Now, the cool part, we stayed in the Beatles suite. They put us up at the Plaza Hotel. We stayed in the suite the Beatles stayed in in 64 when they did the Sullivan Show. So that was cool. But anyway, it was one Friday after shooting. It's like one or two in the morning, okay? I get it. You know, you're tired. You've been shooting all day. I get a call one or two in the morning. Bob's a max. Hi, Eddie. Hiya. Who is this? Bob. Hiya. Listen, you got to come to such and such address. It's some address in New York, whatever. Bob, I'm tired. Please, I can't. go. No, no, you got to see this. You have to come. He goes, you don't even have to pay. Come in a cab. I'll pay for the cab. He's freaking Bob's a mech because I was a little disgruntled, but okay. So I get dressed. I get in a cab in the middle of the night in New York. I take a cab down. I get in there. It's Plato's Retreat. There's this club called Plato's Retreat. Wow. Three, it's three stories of couples screwing three it's like a the roman orgies the wow. bread and three. i'm sitting there with spielberg and zemeckis at plato's retreat i get my little coke you know watching these couples you know i'm trying to eat my coke. <laughs> it was the most surreal night of my life but we're at plato's retreat the three of us are there 
Me, Spielberg, and Zemeckis. Totally true story. And we're at Plato's Retreat. It was the most surreal night of my life. Save that one for you, Gil. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. That's a true story, Gilbert. Yeah. Yeah. What? Who has a story like that? <laughs> Eddie Deason. Yeah. I know. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Plato's Retreat, I, used, I never was in there. I yeah. used to hear about it all the yes. time, though. I'm sure AIDS killed it off. I'm sure this was before the AIDS. Oh, they era, closed you know? it down during the uh, yeah. during the AIDS crisis. Absolutely, yeah. It was a different world. All those sex clubs. Yeah, it was a different world. Yeah, but three stories, and you, you couldn't believe what you were seeing. It's like something out of a bizarre movie. But and these were big rings. It wasn't some little place. It was gigantic rings, and it was three levels of people. All these couples going at it, like lazy yeah. Susans, like people just copulating on round on. Uh... It, they weren't rotating. They didn't revolve. Oh, they didn't revolve. Three round story. Yeah, they didn't revolve. <laughs> That's disappointing. Stories. Yeah, it was three stories. And we were, we were like three little kids. You know, we're looking at this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well. I, I told you I haven't saved the best for last, Gil. This is the first time I ever told that story in public. It's a story you tell friends, but Gilbert's my friend. Frank, you're my friend. So yes. what the heck? Your, yeah. your secret is safe with us and about yes. 40,000 people. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. I, since I don't believe anything's going to top that story, <laughs> <laughs> this has been Gilbert Gottfried's amazing, colossal podcast. With my co-host Frank Santo Padre and the very funny Eddie Deason. Eddie, you're Thank more you than so a much. you're more than a funny actor and a, and a showbiz expert. You're a raconteur. Thank you so much. Thank you, Gilbert. Thank you, Frank. It's we, been my pleasure. We were really entertained, man. And now, great. Tell me how I can get that image out of my head. <laughs> 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 Which one, Mickey Rooney in the stall? <laughs> the other so many, so many. <laughs> Thank you, Eddie. Sure, my pleasure. Take care. Thank Have a great week. You, Have a great Eddie. year. Continued success, Gilbert. You're the best. Oh, you want to you want to plug anything, Eddie? Your, your website? No, I'm actually not. We're, it's, it's the 40th anniversary of Greece. We're hoping we get some signing shows this year, but nothing specific. Okay, so hopefully great. we'll get some signing shows. That's pretty much my gig now. Yeah. Okay, yeah. buddy. Thank you okay. for this. Take Thank care, you guys. Thank you. All right. See you later. Godfrey's amazing colossal podcast is produced by Dara Godfrey and Frank Santa Padre, with audio production by Frank Verderosa. Web and social media is handled by Mike McPadden, Greg Pear, and John Bradley Seals. Special audio contributions by John Beach. Special thanks to Paul Rayburn, John Murray, John Fotiadis, and Nutmeg Creative. Especially Sam Giovanco and Daniel Farrell for their assistance. 